Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter sixteen, verses thirteen to twenty-five. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say the Son of Man is?" They replied, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, "You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." Jesus replied, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven." Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, "This shall never happen to you." Jesus turned, and said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan! You are the stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns." Then Jesus said to the, his disciples, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much. If you can keep your Bibles to Matthew open to Matthew chapter 16, that would be great. Let me pray for us as we come to God's Word. Lord, speak to us.、Uh, give us the confidence、uh, in Your Word, in Your Church,、uh, confidence to trust You in all things. And Lord,、uh, we pray that You will make us a people who will follow You. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. One of the things that made、um, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin's trip to the moon、uh, in 1969 possible was NASA's partnership with、uh, IBM. IBM and 3,000 over 3,500 employees of IBM worked really hard to create this computer mainframe system 360,、uh, 360 mainframe computer and install it in Goddard's、uh, Space Center. It handled every aspect of that trip. Its software and its hardware—it was at the pinnacle of technology. It was what made that trip to the moon possible. But did you know that it actually has four kilobytes of memory? Four kilobytes. Let me put that in context. This is my、uh, my phone. It's a Samsung、uh, S8. It's got four gigabytes. This is actually one million times more powerful. In terms of memory, than this machine that sent to people, sent people to the moon. But think about all the effort, right? All those people, three thousand five hundred people who worked really hard to create this machine, and then quickly 
the technology was surpassed and surpassed and on and on and on again until actually now these days actually the, the computer that that technology it's not even fit to be in in children's toys anymore technology passes stuff that we make passes last week we heard from Niels uh, from Ecclesi Ecclesiastes in chapter 9 about how everybody dies it's not every, it's not just everyone dies everything dies everything that we build dies every bridge every spreadsheet or everything that we've done here on earth whatever the institution is well that dies too everything dies except one except one I tell you that you are Peter uh, yeah. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The church is irreplaceable. It is invincible. It will go on forever. No power of Hades, no power of death, no power of this earth will be able to destroy it. It will keep going. Today is the day of the AGM. When we celebrate what God has done in the church this past year, when we look forward to what God will do in this coming year. And let's then listen to what Jesus has to say about the church. How actually, how the, the church will endure. How He will build it. How the cross, the path that He took, will shape us as a people who follow Him. Well, leading up to this point of Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has done everything possible to reveal who he is to the world. Remember, he taught with authority as one who had authority. He walked on water. He calmed the sea. He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the leper. He healed dead people back to life. He's done everything. He's fed 5,000, then 4,000. But actually, people still don't understand who he is. Jews, the, the religious leaders were demanding more signs, and people still didn't understand. And that, in, the, in that sea of darkness, a ray of, sort of, a ray of hope shines when Peter confesses this confession. Jesus, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus tells him that it's God who blessed him, who revealed this fact to him. And Jesus himself then gives us great blessing to Peter. He says, I tell you, Peter, Petros, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of the Hades will not overcome it. This is the first time that the word church is used in the New Testament. And some people, some scholars say actually that people have added this phrase um, to Jesus' uh, Jesus's mouth. Uh, because church didn't exist when Jesus said this. Well, that doesn't make, but that doesn't quite make sense because Jesus came for the church. Yes, Jesus came to die, and yes, Jesus came to rise again, but that was because he would, he would die and he would rise again so that he would gather his people. People who confess him as the Christ, as, who recognize him as the Son of God. People who will follow him as their Lord and Savior. That's why he came to the church. And of course it makes sense then that Jesus would build the church, the people of God, on people like Peter. Peter was the first one to recognize who Jesus was. And upon that foundation, he would build his church. But it's not just Peter though, right? Uh, church is the, uh, the people of God, uh, people who recognize the, um, yeah, people who recognize Jesus as the Messiah. But Peter is just the first one. All of the apostles, 
well, minus the obvious one, uh, recognized Jesus for who he was later on. And God builds his church, as in Paul's words, built his church on the foundations, upon the foundations of apostles and prophets, like Peter, people who saw Jesus for who he was. I need to say, I need to pause here, maybe, uh, talk, uh, say that there's, here, there's nothing about um, Peter being the first pope, <laughs> first bishop of Rome, or how his successors will continue to be, how he will have exclusive and final authority over all things, that he, how he'll be fall, uh, infallible. Well, actually, his fallibility stands out in this text, if anything, right? In verse 23, he's called Satan by the Lord himself. And we know the rest of the story, how, Jesus, uh, how Peter denies Jesus three times, again and again and again. And even later on, even when he, uh, he, he, he acts as a leader of the church, he's not, he will be challenged by Apostle Paul because he makes the mistake of privileging the Jews over the Gentiles in, as we see in Galatians. Yes, he is fallible, but uh, uh, it's not just him. The, the disciples are fallible. We are sinful. But the point is, Jesus decides to build his church, his body, upon people like him and upon, upon people like us. And yet, look at the promise. What an astonishing promise this is, that the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Gates of Hades will not overcome the church. <laughs> gates of Hades could stand for Satan and his cohorts. All the powers of darkness cannot kill the church. Hades itself it might, could actually be uh, uh, a metaphor for death itself, because Hades was the place of the dead, place of death. Even death cannot overcome the church. Well, death is one powerful force, isn't it? When you bury somebody, when somebody dies, you don't expect that person to come back to life. But even power of death cannot overcome the church. It is invincible. It will keep going. The church will prevail. And we see that throughout history. The Roman Empire tried to squash it once in Nero and Domitian. Uh, the persecutions couldn't squash the church. Various communist regimes around the world tried to squash the church. He couldn't do it. Scientific worldview will not do it. Liberal humanism will not be able to do it. Jesus will not let COVID-19 let the church die. Uh, it will not die at the hands of sinful leaders, disgraced leaders, as we've seen uh, recently in the news. Even sinful leaders will not uh, kill the church, will not be able to kill the church. And whatever we face, whatever challenges we face now, and whatever challenges we will face in the future, the church will go on. The church is God's building project, and it will go on forever. The first thing, as, I, uh, look, as we look at this topic, I want to go, don't miss out. Don't miss out in what God is doing. Yes, building something, building a technology that sends people to the moon. That's, that's exciting, that's important, but actually it will pass. Whatever we are doing here on earth, whatever the energy and devotion that we give to it, whatever it is, it will pass. But the church will not. If you meet with people 
and you strengthen their faith, you help people to endure all the way to the end, you will see those people for eternity. As we love one another, as we become a community that witnesses to the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, His holiness, His goodness to the world, and people are attracted to come to the church and come to know Jesus through us, we will see those people for eternity. If we go out to the world, go out to the streets of Hong Kong, to our colleagues, and they come to know Jesus, that work will endure for eternity. We will spend our lives, eternal lives, with them. Uh, the history is filled with great companies, right? Enduring institutions, but in the end, they will all fail. The greatest of those institutions is the church. Many people come to Hong Kong to not miss out, to make the most of their lives, most of their opportunity. Don't miss out in what God is doing. Will you devote yourself to the building of the church? And despite the promise, the church will go on forever. There are some things that will threaten its health, uh, threaten its existence, and some of the biggest obstacles come from within. Uh, Jesus calls Peter a rock in verse 18. In verse 23, he calls Peter a different kind of rock. Verse 23, a scandal on the, the stumbling block. And they say, a little knowledge is dangerous. It's worse than knowing a lot, right? A little knowledge is worse than not knowing anything. Certainly, Peter was that way. Peter knew enough to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, recognize Jesus as, as the Son of God. But he didn't understand the depth of his own sinfulness. He didn't understand the, the, the evil and the sin that plagued the whole world. He couldn't imagine. He, he didn't understand the scale of what God was going to do through Jesus. And so he tried to stop Jesus. He rebuked Jesus. Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. Satan had tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross once. Remember in the desert? He promised the whole world without any suffering. And Jesus hears the voice of Satan in Peter's uh, voice as well. Get behind me, Satan. Peter wants a victory without any suffering, without the cross. But Jesus knew his mission. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. While Peter was concerned for earthly power, Jesus was concerned for the salvation of the whole world. While in a few chapters later, John and, 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 and James, the other two in the inner circle of Jesus, the top three, they will argue about who will sit on the left and right hand of God, hand of Jesus. They were concerned about their power and security and, and uh, fame and all these things while God himself was concerned for laying them down so that he could save his people. Why can't the church fail? Well, because Jesus is intent on building the church. He would not let anything stop it. He would go to his death to save it. He left his heavenly home. He gave up his comforts, honor, and glory. He lived for us. He was insulted for us. He was tried for us. He was whipped for us. And he endured the cross for us. The writer of Hebrews says, he, uh, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We are his joy. <laughs> the church is his joy. As he was dying on the cross, 
he was seeing the church, his people gathering. He died for it, and he will take care of it. The hardest thing Mary has ever done is to give birth to Barney. It wasn't an easy thing. Uh, up to that point, uh, we had three miscarriages. And at the end of that time, uh, at the end of that pregnancy, uh, she was hospitalized because of preeclampsia. In the middle of uh, a sort of a normal day at the hospital, I was called because they were doing some tests and they said, you have, we have to do the delivery now. We have to induce uh, the baby now. So I went. And it was a hard delivery like any delivery is. Uh, at the end of at the end of it, well, Barney had come out. Um, I, I was, uh, I was uh, kicked out of the delivery room because blood just shot out of her body, and they had to get into this emergency mode, clearing out everything, and I had to act quickly. The next day, she held Barney in her arms. She's not going to let anything happen to Barney. She's going to keep an eye on Barney and take care of him. Our Lord Jesus gave birth to us, the church, and he is going to take care of us. Remember, yes, we are sinful. Yes, we're fallible people. But remember Jesus' words, upon this stone, or upon this rock, I will build my church. It's Jesus who is building his church. Today at the AGM, we'll share some news. Um, we'll, we haven't been able to grow in the, uh, in the past three years or so, and that's been tough. And this past couple of years have been particularly difficult for us. And who knows what will happen to us in the future? Who knows what will happen in Hong Kong? But we don't have to fear COVID. We don't have to fear the political changes. We don't have to fear whatever the changes that are coming. We can, we can face whatever is coming with confidence without fear, that Jesus is loving the church, that he's nurturing us, he's strengthening us, that he is doing all things for our good. We can face the future with confidence because nothing stopped Jesus and nothing will stop him from taking care of us. He is our builder. And we can be also assured of our future as long as we proclaim Jesus Christ crucified, the one who went to the cross, and we become his disciples who follow him. Because following him will make us a kind of people who will do anything for our Lord. After rebuking Peter, Jesus, Jesus turned to his disciples and said this, verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for, my, for me will find it. Any Jew in the Palestine would, would have known exactly what this was about. Carrying the cross, well, only people who are condemned to their execution, to their death, carry their cross. Death is written into our discipleship. It's a prerequisite for our dis discipleship. Our dying so that we would follow Jesus is a prerequisite. It's not just a momentary decision. It's not just something that we say we will do once. It's actually a path of discipleship. It shapes our life, denying ourselves, giving up our rights and our privileges, comforts and energies to follow Jesus. Peter didn't know that yet, but he will soon come to know. He will give up his life for the sake of the church, for the sake of Christ. He will actually die on the cross 
<laughs> the legend says, upside down for the sake of following Jesus. Countless people's sins have followed the path of discipleship, a uh, path of the cross as well. And I'm thankful that continued self-denial and sacrifice and death mark many members of our church. Our church is sustained by people who could afford to have many, many houses. But I know that there is a family who is committed to just having one and giving away as much as they can. We're, we grow by uh, not just the, the paid work of the, uh, sta uh, work of the staff, but people who are unpaid, who are uh, able to uh, meet with people in their uh, off hours, in their weekends, to read the Bible and pray with people, to do children's ministry and to youth ministry as volunteers. We're, uh, we're encouraged and we keep going by those uh, who, who do this work, who, who spend their uh, retirement not indulging themselves, but in wanting to build up the body of Christ. I mean, this online streaming is possible because of the many volunteers who give up their weekends uh, to be with us. I think one of the strengths of our church is the presence of many missionaries who show, who have shown this way of life. You know, many of our missionaries in their past lives have, been, have worked in, 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 in medicine and in finance, uh, in education, in law enforcement. All of them have given up a, a more comfortable life to do ministry. I know Niels um, has done that, had much more comfortable and much more secure position um, before he and AJ decided to go into ministry. And all of them, I'm sure, have been asked, isn't that a bit foolish? Why are you doing that? Mary and I have been reading through First uh, Corinthians uh, during Lent. We don't normally do our quiet time together, but um, during this season, we have been trying to do it together, and we've been really struck by the challenge that we found there. I mean, it's the same theme when Paul writes to the Corinthians, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stum stumbling block for the Jews, to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. We've been asking ourselves, in what areas of our life together are people saying, it's not a bit foolish to live like Mary and you? It's been a real challenge to us because um, uh, <laughs> there aren't that many parts that I think I can point to and say, oh, this is foolishness. Friends, how are you living foolishly? How is Jesus' death and self-denial mark your discipleship? Is that what people see in your life? And I know that this church will be sustained and we will keep going as long as we pre preach Christ crucified, as long as the gospel makes us foolish, as a people who give up our lives and who follow Jesus on the way of our death. And if we do that though, I mean, it, I know that the world will say, that might sound foolish, but we know that that's not foolish. In the end, we know that whoever wants to save their lives will lose it, but whoever loses their life for Jesus' sake will find it. Let's pray. Lord, we want to follow you. Oh, may our lives be marked with self-denial and our death, that we might find ourselves united in your death and in your glorious resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.